0: Uh, that's a good time for us to bring in uh, Preet Banerjee for the morning brief today. He, of course, is a personal finance commentator and founder of Money Gaps. Preet, good morning.
1: Happy Valentine's Day, John.
0: Yeah, have you, thank you. Have you got yourself all looked after? I don't mean yourself, but have you got your significant other all looked after? <laughs> we do have a nice dinner plan tonight, yeah. Perfect, yeah, because, you know, some people waking up this morning, oh, my God, I didn't know it was February the 14th, and, you know, in some houses, I was telling the story before we came on about how I had this dinner years ago for listeners who were not otherwise engaged on Valentine's Day, and it was surprising to me the number of women who wrote in and said they wanted to come to dinner because their significant <laughs> other just didn't recognize that Valentine's Day existed, like, oh, no. I'm I'm not into that, forget it, and that uh, there are other people who will uh, know that they should uh, be doing something and just uh, and just forget until this morning when they hear us talking about it, and all of a sudden they'll be panic-stricken but uh, <laughs> anyway, on to i'll call it more serious matters. I want to start with this LCBO pilot project they're starting it up north for people 's information that in itself could carry some problems for them in that uh, it might be suggested they're Targeting indigenous people because the indigenous populations are far higher in the northern cities. But let's just forget where it's starting. It is a pilot project that has them requiring you to show your driver's license. And it isn't just show it, it's to have it scanned. And they claim they'll keep the database for only 14 days. But they're scanning the information to see, of course, if you are, in fact, of age and all of that. And also to see if you've been in some trouble with them in liquor stores before. But it worries me because I don't see anybody else doing this. And I think it may be a step too far in terms. Of protecting against what is undoubted shoplifting. What do you think?
1: Well, I like that they're piloting first as opposed to just rolling it out so we can see what the results are, what the potential hiccups are. You've identified a couple of issues that I'd want more follow-up on. And I would say that it has been has been done elsewhere in Manitoba, apparently. Mm-hmm. And they report that they virtually eliminated theft. So that sounds like a potentially good trade-off. Um, there are some issues about privacy and where that data is stored and how long it is actually stored for, because if you haven't had a data hack before, it's just a matter of time. Uh, so I just wanna make sure that they're taking the appropriate measures, but. I am interested in seeing the results of this this pilot in terms of not only potential theft reduction, but also the impact on the consumer experience. And I know that there are going to be some people complaining about maybe waiting in a line because they're apparently only letting in people one at a time. Mm. But, you know, it's like that with gas stations and somehow we persevere. Yeah, there's not the sensitivity to how often you go to the guy. I mean, one thing I was thinking about,
0: for example, they will have information on how often people go to the liquor store, which, you know, I I know of some people who go sort of every day and they maybe for cash flow reasons just buy a little bit every day. Uh, And, and, you know, so that's the way they choose, just like there are people who do grocery shopping every day. But that's the kind of information, you know, if if they say, oh, you know, Preet, he's over at the liquor store every day. Oh, You know, (laughs) wink, wink. You just don't want that information in other people's hands. But as you say, maybe having a pilot, I don't know, I just think uh, other stores in other, uh, you know, areas of uh, retail have found other ways to deal with shoplifting without doing this. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me, it's the public sector that's starting this. But anyway, we'll see how it goes. Uh, City Budget Day today, uh, I don't think there's too many surprises left uh, because uh, Mayor Chow has indicated, I think sensibly, that uh, the police will receive the amount they requested to get the job done. It's a well below inflation increase anyway. She's going to keep that uh, plowing of the driveways, they call them windrows, uh, in place uh, and and not save the $16 because there was quite a fuss about that. I don't think there's going to be much else by way of surprises. I'm told there's a motion going to be moved to lower the tax rate by a further point, which will fail. So, do you think she's ended up in kind of the right place?
1: Well, I don't know, because, you know, she keeps talking about how she's inherited a big budget mess. And on one hand, we've had a proposed reduced uh, uh, increase in the police budget, and that apparently is being walked back. Although the details of the other governmental sources of funding are not clear, so I don't know exactly how much more this is going to cost the city. But if there is this big hole in big mess that needs to be fixed, and we're not doing it by addressing the police budget, it means it has to come from somewhere else. And if there's going to be a reduction to the increase in property taxes as well, is the problem that she keeps talking about something that is ultimately going to get solved, or are we just going to continue hearing about it for the next couple of years? So I don't, I don't know how we move forward necessarily in tackling this issue, which she keeps bringing up. And then... Goes and says, Well, okay, well, I guess we can't do the things that I talked about, but we'll get to it eventually.
0: I'll tell you, I mean, again, I'm no self interest here at all. I'm long gone from it, but (laughs) I did nine budgets, and she inherited that financial mess from an administration I led, but I in turn inherited it from Rob Ford, who inherited it from David Miller, who inherited it from Al Lastman. It is a structural problem with how municipalities are financed. And in fact, the hole she started with this year at about $1.8 billion was actually smaller than the one I started with last year. The problem is not with, I don't believe it's by increasing taxes. Uh, it's not. It's going to be solved in the end by some complete redefinition of how cities are financed, especially the City of Toronto. But anyway, she'll get through the budget for today and then start over again, and the whole will be big again next year because that's the way this goes. Um, we've got um, the court saying, the Federal Court of Canada saying, that uh, Justin Trudeau, unusually, I would say, Preet, has left so many judicial vacancies uh, open that it is now impacting on people's right to a fair trial. And it's funny because in years gone by, they couldn't rush to appoint uh, partisan people, frankly, I mean, partisan hacks uh, to some of these jobs. And then they cleaned that up. And now it's, it's, it seems they've slowed the process down and they're not rushing to appoint uh, judges, which just seems curious. They're not filling vacancies that exist when the well-being of the court system is at stake.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's a very serious issue. And I looked it up, and there's about 920 total judges in office and 75 vacancies. So that would be a vacancy rate of about 7.5%. And according to the justice minister, who's been on the job, I think, you know, just over six months, uh, he said, well, listen, I've appointed 64 judges. And so if he continues at that pace, it sounds like he would clear the vacancies at some point this year. But if you go a little bit further, reporting also notes that that there were 79 vacancies about eight months ago. So we've only filled or made a net increase of four positions in the last seven or eight months. So there seems to be a lot of judges leaving as well. So unless the departing judges have stopped departing, the justice minister needs to double that appointment rate to clear this backlog of vacancies this year. And until they do, there are, you know, uh, a slowing down of the, ju- of the judicial system, which has been pointed out. So something needs to be done here. Yeah, I
0: I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And uh, I'm just surprised because it's one of those things where everybody knows when those appointments are coming up. When people reach the retirement age, it's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ontario drivers won't need to renew their license plates anymore. This was inevitable when Doug Ford did away with, uh, you know, before they had your register every year because they wanted the money and then Doug Ford said you didn't have to pay. And now he said, I think sensibly with a million people with expired plates, you don't have to renew it anymore. Do you think this could lead to any problems or does it just make sense?
1: I, yeah, I don't know of any problems. It certainly sounds like actual modernization, so I'm all for that because it's one less thing to worry about and it sounds like, you know, more people were forgetting because they no longer had a cost of re-registering, but there's still a fine if your vehicle isn't registered. So, I'm glad that there's one less thing to worry about. And I guess the question I have is, you know, how do you deregister? Is there any risk to not deregistering? I can't think of any. Uh, I think the one thing I notice about this this news item is that it's kind of mention that oh by the way this is going to be part of an omnibus bill in which um, you know any carbon pricing will be Put to a referendum first. And, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you can expand on it later in the show today about, you know, the reality of omnibus bills, why they're used. (laughs) Yeah. And how some people can sort of slip in things because it seems like it's, you know, some legislators are put into positions of saying, I want this item passed more than I don't want this item not passed. So I guess I'll just accept that other one. And I'm just not a big fan of that. Oh, you
0: know, it's easy to have a bright shiny object like this. You don't have to register your car or the carbon tax referendum hiding for things that the government really doesn't want to draw attention to. And so mm-hmm. they're just evil. They're designed to speed things up. I get that because it does take too long to get things done. But yeah. it's not uh, it, it is not generally a good thing. And of course, it's used more and more and more, especially by majority governments now, just because it's a great way to get things done, if that's all you're concerned with. Anyway, uh, that we're out of time. But thank you, Preet to Banerjee, for um, uh, your uh, thoughts on the morning brief today. Preet, of course, is a personal finance commentator and founder of Money Gaps, and he's looked after, uh, hint, hint to the rest of you, for <laughs> Valentine's Day. He's made some reservations. Anyway, have a great day, Preet. Thanks a lot. Thanks, John. After 6.30, we're going to talk to our crime specialist, Mark Mendelson, about some scammers uh, posing as city officials, and we'll get his thoughts on the Mount Sinai protests. All that coming up on Moore in the Morning. John Torrey sitting in for John Moore.